welcome to Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. I'm Austin Fagans. I work with Amware Fulfillment and the Solutions Department. And our guest today is going to be Keith Swidnick, President and CEO of KS International. Keith is a global operations consultant that's designed supply chain optimization solutions on over 500 projects. His services range from distribution network optimization to operational transformation. He also works on evaluating and implementing automation solutions. That's where we're going to focus today, is digging into the question, what automation solution is right for me? Keith, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Austin. No, of course. Before we dive into a lot of the details, let's talk a little bit about your career. It seems like you've got a lot of experience throughout the industry. Interested to see what brought you to this point and then what some of your experiences were along the way. Yeah, sure. So I've been working in the consulting space for 38 years, graduated in architecture, building technology, and then took some logistics courses. But basically, I've been president CEO of a couple of consulting firms. And I work in a space that's actually covers like geographically, I worked all over the world. So I kind of the business that I'm in has provided opportunities for me to work globally. So which has been pretty interesting traveling. So I would say that that experience and working across different industries as well, I'm not limited to one industry. So I've pretty much dabbled in all industries, but I would say having a global perspective helps provide the best solution for our customers. Sounds like an interesting branch from starting out in architecture, learning a little bit about logistics. What made you make the jump? Was it just you found it interesting or you liked the field itself? The interest in the supply chain, for me, was kind of a bottom-up approach. I started at the bottom and I worked my way up. Warehouse design is not the same as building design, let's say, or office design. But, but certainly, I think the mathematics, the science behind the logistics solutions is pretty exciting, more exciting than drawing lines on the paper. So I think that's what it tried. And the opportunity employers give employees obviously had a big element of my success, letting a company or allowing your people within your company progress as fast as they're capable of. I think it was a big asset for me because I had great aspirations. So I've always wanted the next person's job. So that's how I just made my way up with uh, very yeah, little that, in one particular function, you know? That makes sense. And I think that's probably a good segue when you mention how the people work within the facilities. We're talking about automation, right? And what I think about is what drives the need for automation? And I'll be a little bit more specific, but what are some of the problems that retailers have come to you with, whether it be B2C fulfillment or even some of the B2B stuff? What do you see is one of the main issues that somebody will reach out and say, hey, Keith, how can you help me solve this? What are those problems? We can maybe take that question and talk about today and go backwards because we do supply chain surveys. And if you go back five years, you'll see that the labor retention and turnover has been a problem pre-COVID. It's been around for a long time, the labor situation, especially in these warehousing environments or these fulfillment centers, finding people to do those difficult tasks are hard. And what's happened is today is labor availability is a big issue, but not just the labor availability, it's disinterest in working, right? So a lot of people don't want to work the second shift or the third shift, let alone on weekend. So I think those today, I mean, it's been trending. Productivity in the industry, say on picking side, has been trending downwards. And then the availability and the quality too of the labor is just not there. So I think those pressures have forced the 
companies to look at alternatives and alternatives tied to whether it's a hybrid or fully automated solution, but actually look out and say, well, how can I best service my customers and what technologies out there allow me to do that? But it's really been a labor thing aside from responsive speed, accuracy, all those other things have always been there. But today, I think the biggest driver, and it's not new. People think it's new or because of COVID. It's been there. It's always been there. It's just, it's only more pronounced today because of COVID, let's say. I can see that. I like that you brought it back to not just having the people to do the work, but the productivity, how they're actually performing. I noticed even before COVID in my career, we ran into those problems across the board, you know, at all of our facilities at different scale, maybe. And it was a matter of how do you incentivize people or how do you make it so that somebody walking in can do the work quickly, do the right thing all the time? You're right, Austin. Sorry to cut you off. And with that, besides just the regular incentives, there's adjustments to schedules. There's overstaffing to make sure and there's letting people go home. And there's all these accommodations, if you wish, that a lot of companies have put in place. But this is two years later and it's still not making a difference, right? So and I think that the cost of labor with fringe, so depending on where you are in the country, and what you're paying. And even, you know, I work in Mexico and doing the right good thing overrides the investment sometimes, right? So I'm not treating your people poorly. So I think the whole labor is just really pronounced now. And what's difficult is that these companies that know they have to do something, whether at capacity or they just can't find people, whatever the reason is they're looking out in the community to find vendors to help them solve the fulfillment issues, right? And with e-commerce, the biggest challenge is the changing profile, customer order, if you wish, you know, like you can get five lines in 15 minutes or five one-line orders, and then you can get multiple line orders. So the challenging part is to have the solution that's best for you and to minimize errors, right? So the labor piece is even more concerning when you get to the e-commerce piece, because it's very complicated. It's more complicated than the B2B, right? There's a lot more tasks, a lot more touches. But then the investments tied to the solutions are different for each vendor. So it's not easy for someone to come forward and say, oh, here's the best solution, especially if you don't know that space, right? And you don't know what solutions are best for you. And I think that's the biggest problem companies come to us with is what is the best solution for me? And how do I put in a flexible, scalable solution in my facility to serve my business needs, but not for today, but like for five, 10 years out? Let's dive into that a little bit. You talked about how it's tough sometimes for a client to decide or even for a company to decide what the right solution is. Let's imagine, you know, we're dealing with a client in a building and we need some automation. What are the first few things, or maybe let's call it the most important things you're going to look at to say, if your problem is productivity and your problem is labor, do we need all sorts of automation? Or maybe we just need to fix three or four tasks. Where do you start? Yeah, I think there could be an internal assessment or audit or evaluation done or external, or there could be collaborative thing going on, but that's the first step. And I know this firsthand, and I've been living it a lot, is that in absence of data, you're just making suggestions without any basis, right? So a lot of companies don't spend the time in actually collecting the data they need to actually do a proper evaluation, or they're reliant on the company they're speaking with to get information from them. So I think the first step is you have to collect all the information, but if you don't know what to collect, you're relying on third party to tell you, right? So that's where there's a breakdown 
And even if you have all the data, so like 52 weeks of order files, item files, inventory files, productivity files, CAD files, it goes on and on. You collect all this data, you may not know what to do with it, right? So you still have to kind of give, but when you do that, what you'll see is that many of the vendors out there will come back with different solutions. And many, if not all, will take what you give them and not respect it in their bid process or something. Because here's a good example, and, and this has come up so much, I want to mention it for your listeners, is that when you provide information for your order fulfillment, so one of the biggest is understanding the lines, the order profile, and the hours in which you have to ship that. So if you're saying, well, I have four hours, eight hours, 16 hours, whatever the time frame is to fulfill that order and get it out the door, that's a variable that changes the investment significantly. I want to jump in real quick yeah. there. So I got that. And for the listeners, it sounds like one of the most important things is understanding as best as you can your orders, right? Whether it yeah. be from a data perspective, a lines, like each is per the frequency at which those orders are coming in and when you need to ship them. But I wanted to call out what you just mentioned that when those orders need to ship and how they need to ship is probably one of the most valuable and pertinent pieces in looking for automation because in my experience too, to your point, what drives the cost very high is how quickly you need to get things out. Correct. Like not just, are you doing it right? Are you doing it yes. with people? Yep. But do you have eight hours? Do you have 12 hours? Does it have there? Maybe at four hours in the afternoon are your only shipping hours because your carriers are picking up and the work comes in late. So I, I think that's a really important call out is understanding when the goods to move. Yeah. And part of that is trying to minimize the level of technology, if you wish, because the more complicated it gets, difficult it is to manage, right? So that's a big call out. And there's a lot of different solutions, but not one solution from one company or say one provider would necessarily be best for you. In our experience, actually a hybrid or the shared solution. So you can have an AMR working with an auto store, or you can have some fixed racking for bulk tied to a multi-shuttle, or you can have pick stations that are designed for you and not designed by the solution provider because everybody's business is different. And in the marketplace, what they're doing is they're saying, well, this is what I know. And you're going to have a foot wall and you're going to have this conveyor and you're going to have a non-ergonomic workstation. So I think the data tied to the culture of the company to make sure they have the right solution, which is pushing the envelope of what's out there today, because companies aren't doing that. The vendors are not going to do anything other than what's in their kit, whatever their offerings are on their website. Here's what I sell you. So I think the onus is on the customer, the client, to make sure they're involved in understanding those and not accept necessarily what they're providing. But then that's where it's very definitely the solution changes and it evolves actually to usually lower costs and more ergonomic stations in that case. I like that call out a lot. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's not one solution that covers everything. It's a piece of this. To your point, maybe it's an AMR, maybe it's ASRS and you have totes coming in, but then yes. maybe you manually move stuff somewhere else in the warehouse because it doesn't make sense to put conveyor everything. Yeah, maybe you don't need robots everywhere. Maybe you need to automate a certain portion. I think that's an important call out because a lot of vendors are very creative and they're very talented. They're very good at what they do, and they might not be the best at exactly what the client needs. I well, think that's a good yeah. call. I think in many cases, the vendor community are selling equipment. So if it's not something they're offering, 
that's not something you'll see. So going out, like the process, going back to your question, you know, what's say the ideal protocol would be obviously develop some sort of RFP and then go out to the market and request bids, you know, provide the data and you could get some help in developing that RFPs if you don't know, but then going out and then actually getting feedback from them all, then it evolves. It's like, I don't think I've worked on a project where we've accepted the proposal from anybody, a specific vendor. It's evolved always the best solutions that are lowest price or customized. They're not what they're selling you off the shelf. And I think that's a big thing. So if you're looking to introduce some sort of automation on your business, it doesn't have to be for everything there. You can have a fast moving, automated, slow moving. You can have everything automated. You don't have to just have. So you can say, well, does it make sense to automate this or that? And who's going to ask that question? If you go to a large automated solution provider, they're going to want to automate everything because that's what they want to sell you on. You have to kind of go through and make sure that you've prepared to ask all the good questions. So in the end, you can get an affordable, justifiable solution in place. And it doesn't have to be for everything. It could be a step in, you know, you can start and grow into it. So that's where the scalability is. You can put in a small auto store if that makes sense and then grow into it or not. Or you can take the fast movers and put them in ASRS, like you're saying. So a hyper, like working with different vendor solutions to me is the best. The question, the problem with that, Austin, is that, you know, there's license fees, there's collaboration, there's all, and you're smiling because it's true. You know, oh, it's yeah, true. Yeah. Who takes responsibility for this optimal solution, right? It's not that easy. I want to jump in for a client just getting, I don't want to say getting started, but maybe they've been in business for a while and they say, hey, I want to, I want to jump into automation, but I don't know where to start and how to start. To your point, it's hard because you go to a large vendor and they want to automate everything. What's one of the first things you do to look at and say, hey, maybe we mix a solution like a piece of this and a piece of that? Or are you going to the vendor and saying, hey, show me what you can do with everything? And then you're going to the other one and saying, show me everything. Are you piecing it together? Are you going all in and then pulling off of that? That's a good question, too. So, like, because I'm in the space, you know, in the consulting space, there's a methodology and there's approach we take. And it doesn't change. It doesn't change from project to project. So the first thing is obviously collect all the data you need and do audits, understand the best you can the operation. The second thing is to do a lot of data analysis to understand where you are today. So the first step is to kind of do an appraisal of where you are. You mentioned productivity. How well am I doing compared to others? You benchmark or you do your own. So if you have a, a manual conventional operation with no automation, maybe it's mechanization, maybe you have a pick the belt or something, but let's say whatever you have today, the first step everybody should do is what can I do better with what I have? Because in many cases, you don't have to expand. You can maybe fit something within the four walls. So how can you do better? There's a benchmark. Everybody does this in the vendor community. They say, well, let's say, Austin, your facility, you're running at 90 cases per paid person hour. Okay, that's your throughput today. And then you say, well, let me go talk to a consultant or let me go talk to a vendor. Say you're talking to a vendor and the vendor comes back with a solution and says you can go from 90 cases per paid hour to 150. Some people are picking 200 lines an hour and they can pick up the 250 lines and that type of thing, right? So let's say you're, in this case, we're saying you're at 60 lines an hour and we can get you to 120. What happens if you look at your 60 and you know you can tweak your 60 and you can get to 90? So now you can go from 60 to 90 with low investment by reslotting or moving things around or changing the way the process, the flows are. And now the difference between 90 and 120, it's not double. So the justification for the investment, they're not going to give you that in-between roadmap. 
which everybody has. Everybody has an in-between. If you have to jump fully automated, you're losing that in-between step, but that's your decision. There should be always an improved status quo, always, always. And if you don't do that, if they're not offering improved status quo, it's because they don't want to work with the existing operations for improvement. But that's the first step because that is a low cost, quick return. It's not even a return. It's a payback. You know, you get your money back pretty quick. I like that a lot. That's a good note, especially for those that are listening. And it's important to say, what can you do to improve first? But maybe you don't need a fully automated solution to get that extra 30, 40%. And then to your point, maybe you still need to hit 120 lines an hour. But yeah. if you're going from 90 to 120, it's a lot of shorter jump to find technology to help you speed up than to dump. Yeah, and, and you're getting cost savings right away. Typically, we see 15% to 45% improvement in productivity just by doing working with what you have. doesn't matter what it is, okay? So if you can get somewhere in that number, that is savings going towards that because, you know, the long-term investment, right? I mean, in the beginning, you want to look out 10 years or seven years minimum, but to get there, you have to say, where am I today? Because where am I today will defer usually investment, investment in buildings or investment in solutions. It will. Most of the cases, I'm not all. So that's cost savings for you by doing better with what you have. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to jump in exactly where you said you're looking at an investment for five to seven to 10 plus years, right? And what I'm hearing is maybe it's not the right decision to go all in on everything automated. Because maybe you want to touch a piece of it, but you understand maybe the profile changes in the next three or four years. And so you don't have to be locked in with something where you're stuck. And what if, to your point, what if the lines double or triple or the order is three times the size? Maybe, maybe the business changes. When you go in and you look, and I know you're looking at the data and you're saying, hey, here is the best that I think we can do. Here's a good intermediary solution. How do you start to look at the future, knowing that the client can't always give you what the future is going to look like? How do you play that in when you say, hey, here's my recommendation? Yeah, so the way we do it, and I'm pretty sure we're unique here. I haven't come across, say, say a so-called competitor that does this, but we kind of mix art and science. So if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So we take the data. We're very much a data-centric company, and we create this thing called a working database, and then the working database looks at the initial optimization we talked about, and then it says, okay, what are we going to look like in the future? So we collect the growth projections from companies and, you know, it's velocity, SKUs, inventory, all that, as far as they can go. And then we run scenarios. So you can run multiple scenarios. What if scenarios? You can be pessimistic, optimistic, realistic, whatever, or you can run specific scenarios so that modeling kind of takes it, so it's, it becomes a mathematical model with results that you can link it and do comparatives at the end. From there, you can back into it, depending on the growth and where you are in your business, you can say, well, maybe I'm going to grow 10% this year and then 50% next year, or you know, whatever it is, you can churn out a, say a design year, an end state, but then you can say, well, how to get there? Well, how to get there? That's where the mapping comes in. So then you have a roadmap. You say, okay, I have all these options. I like this one for this reason. I like that for another reason. Or you may mix some together to come up with a new version, but you have a kind of a design to, to shoot for. Then you back from that design, you back into it and you say, okay, first step is to optimize. Let's reset the warehouse, make changes and process, whatever. And then you, you turn around and say, well, I'm going to 
start with this type of automation, which Teddy Auto Store is very popular. You know, it used to be multi-shuttle Austin and Auto Store and it becomes very popular. And But Auto Store, people seem to be putting everything in when you don't have to. If you really want to get into that space, because it's module and you can expand, maybe just take your really drags or slow movers and put them in there. Or introduce, try to justify the introduction through a, a smaller investment up front. That approach covers the best you can in terms of your growth, because you're right. Who knows where my business is going to go? And the worst thing you can do is to put in a system that's not flexible or scalable, right? And that's what some of these vendors are offering you. They're offering what they have, and it may not be scalable. And that's why you have to be careful. So you have to do those sensitivities as part of your design consideration warehouse. Great point. What I always try and look at and what I'm going to say I preach is how can you utilize this technology if the business changes and two years and three years. Can you use it for that client on a continued basis? If not, can you repurpose? Maybe it's in a different warehouse. Maybe it's with a different client, or maybe you can move a client to that building that can utilize it. That way, as a third party, we're gaining the benefit, but then our customers are gaining exactly what they need. Hey, maybe we put a Pictolite solution in this year, and then maybe in two years, their business changes and they need an audit store. And that's good. Moving things around is also a good thing too. The other opportunity for your listeners to to kind of reduce the investment, because it is pretty large, is to understand how they want to design. What do we want to design for? So if you're looking at today's current business profile, do you design for peak or you design for average? When you ask somebody outside your firm what that question is, you're not asking the right question. So I think that's a big, big thing because most vendors in this space will come to you with the one that costs the most, right? So let's design for peak. And then if it's too expensive, well, let's design for 85%. Oh, that's too expensive. Let's design for 60. And then two years down the road, guess what? You've got an unflexible, not scalable, expensive system that you're going to have to replace. So you have to give a lot of thought to that part of the business and how you deal with automation during peaks and lines and units and sometimes volume just in cases. But you have to look at it all. And should it be peak day? Should it be average? Who knows, right? How do you make the determination? I know it's the art and the science, and I like the way you describe that. It makes a lot of sense to me. How do you help a client decide, should they plan for peak? Should they plan for average day? When you take that in, is it purely cost-based? Where do they think they're going to be? Is it growth-based, even if maybe they don't have it now, maybe they will in the future? No, because we have 52 weeks and sometimes double that of every single transaction, if you wish you can imagine, depending on the size of the customer or the size of that company. And we're working at line item level. So we can easily model out all those. We can go in and look at July 4th and flags are the fastest moving item and that's in the multi-shuttle. It shouldn't be there. Take it out before July 4th. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's important for whoever's listening here is you can say, hey, I'll show you exactly what July 4th looks like or what Black Friday looks like. Here's how far behind or ahead you can be. Is that what you're doing to say, hey, this is how we're going to drive your solution? Yeah, exactly. And that'll drive you back to a number that if it's less than 100%, let's say, it'll drive you to say, okay, in this condition, you know, I can settle for 90 because I have an alternative way to deal with that peak in that example, you know? So yeah, I think there's a lot of dialogue around where you are today and where you're going to go in the future. And the solution providers 
We're really not going to help you there. It's up to you. But if you don't know, you're in the situation where it's going to be difficult for both of you to get a solution that is going to best match your business, right? Because you're relying on an expert in that space to provide you with that. But then they're selling you what they offer. That's why integrators sometimes are good. Like if you look at, and I don't know your experience, Austin, but I've seen all these different vendors and integrators. And sometimes it's good if you can with an integrator because then they bring it forward. But then you have a mixed offerings there too. But yeah, I think the data analysis, modeling, they're running sales, that's possible. Like they call it the simulation analysis, right? Some of these, but they're only simulating their product. They're not simulating your business, you know, unless they really understand the way you live. You, they're, you're not going to see it. You're just going to see a nice 3D moving thing, right? So the simulation they call it has to be really at the right level that respects your current operations and the future. That's a really, really important call out. And in my opinion, in my experience, integrators do a wonderful job a lot of time on a lot of different solutions, but it usually comes with a large price tag, pretty flexible sometimes, depending on the integrator you go with. And they'll give you a solution that will do exactly what you need to, if that's the only thing you ever need to do. And that's an important piece that you didn't say, but I heard. If you're pallet in, pallet out all the time, it's pretty easy. I can model that for you and charge you 50 grand. It's too complex. The e-commerce piece is just too complex. You know, there's packaging, there's all kinds of fray, and there's dunnage. It's very complex to model out. And in the end, you know, what I find is I find when we project we're going to get 100 lines an hour on the football on a packing station, we never get it. And they say, oh, well, we're engineered standing, but then you never get it because it's not even that level is not being done appropriately because they're engineers and solutions. They're not operators, right? So you would come in and say, let me actually set up the way it should be, you know? And mm-hmm. so the involvement of, say, the customer in that part of the key parts, especially at the picking, you're automating everything. You still got the picking and the packing, right? So those parts where you should be involved in to make sure that you can do that better today and in the automated environment. I like that, calling out that the client needs to understand the direction that you're moving in. Right. Again, as a 3PL, we're going to say we probably know how and we do know how to handle business and how to get the orders out better than most clients do. But to your point, it's incredibly important that the client understands this is what we want to do and here's why we want to do it, because your business looks like this. One thing I want to hit real quick is where do you see automation and the logistics and B2C fulfillment industry, where do you see that in the next, yeah. I'm going to say five years, 10 years, what do you see happen? Okay. So, you know, as you probably sense, I talk a little bit about things, but, uh, you know, I've been doing this three, eight years. I've worked all over the place, all kinds of companies, small to large in, in between, all kinds of material handling solutions, every industry. And when you look at logistics and you look at material handling solutions specifically, there's an evolution. And some people today are just putting in voice. Voice has been, what, 30 years ago? So there's these technologies that people are getting excited. And it's been around engineered standards, the voice, scanning, all that stuff. And then talk about technology in the future, you have your rack and all layout. Now we have these automated solutions that are coming and they continue. They're actually evolving. There's always new competitors in that space and it's evolving quickly. So when I look at where I am today and where I was, you know, 38 years ago, which I didn't know a whole lot about warehousing, and now I'm looking forward 10 years, I think that there will be increased level of cobots 
where you know where situations where there's autonomous or semi-autonomous type robots working in coordination with people, the general staff of the warehouse, and in a synchronized capacity, you know, not just free will fall. And those opportunities will cover the physical demanding parts of the operation in the future. And I think you'll be effectively better off. But I don't think it's just going to one company and putting in one solution from one vendor. It's this thing where we can see a collaboration between machine and man or woman, whatever. This episode is sponsored by Amware Fulfillment. Amware is a third-party fulfillment company that provides pick, pack, and ship services to established direct-to-consumer brands. With fulfillment centers in every region of the U.S., Amware supports one- to two-day ground delivery to 95% of the country. In short, Amware takes care of everything after the click. Learn more at AmwareFulfillment.com. I think you brought up some excellent points there. It's going to be, in my opinion, with a much less tenure than yourself, we're going to see entirely automated warehouses yet. I feel as though we're going to have a lot of, to your point, the cobots, the how do you make my job and your job easier out there and averse totally redesigning the whole warehouse. Let's figure out how to make everything work better together with what we have. And Austin, thank you for being very complimentary. But just building on that, like there are solutions today are fully automated. The thing is that, as you mentioned earlier, is that with the changing of your business, is that a 10-year life? Am I going to have to tear it out and do something else? So the solution to be flexible and scalable is not necessarily this big ASRS you throw in your building, is what I'm saying. So there's going to be solutions for companies that are a little more uh, tough. That to me is tied to AMRs and it's tied to robot. It's kind of working people and I think, you know, anyway. I think those are great call outs. Keith, again, thanks for your time today. I've enjoyed talking with you. For anybody out there who's listening, I hope we've helped guide you on not just is automation important, but what solution is right for me? What solution is right for you as a client with KS International? He can help find the right automation solution for you. We can help do that as well and hopefully look at not just the whole picture, but look at where you think you're going to be and then figure out what makes the most sense across the board for your business and for any other business that you're going to work alongside. Thanks again, Keith, for your time. It's been great speaking with you. Wondering if you can tell everyone out there where they can find you online, the best way to contact you and maybe have you help them work at an automation solution in the future. Yes, awesome. And thank you very much for your questions. Yeah. KS International, me, come visit us. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Pleasure.